0: Hey, we're so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information, please email us at nextsteps at c2church.com or visit us at c2church.com.
1: Calcutta is only nine miles long, four miles wide with 22 million people. See the congestion of this city. I, I remember asking Mark, what can a young couple do in this congested city. And I remember him saying, we can't, but God can. And we started in a tent, bare piece of ground. And I'll never forget, a beggar walked into our tent service, and in the middle of Mark's message, he screamed out these words, preacher, feed our bellies, and then try to tell us there's a God in heaven that loves us. He realized at that point we could not reach people lying on the streets of Calcutta and the poor and the poverty-stricken in this huge city unless we had compassionate ministries. And so we started a feeding program, but it was at that time that Mother Teresa got to know about us and our interests in the feeding program. And she took us to the major garbage dump in Calcutta where all the garbage is thrown every day and burned every hour. And when we saw children jumping into the garbage for anything they may recycle or food to eat, our hearts broke and we said, no, we have to do something about this. We realized that there were so many poor children without education. We raised the money for the school, came back and built the school. And then we started going up class by class to the different sections of the school, grade by grade by grade. Pastor Mrs. banten always had a special place for underprivileged children and the poor of the city. So we've always had, also with us, children who came from very poor homes, but nobody knew who they were because everyone was treated the same. Everything got too small. We, um, we just had to get larger land. We searched and searched and couldn't find any land. And so finally one day Mark came home very excited and said, i found the land, an old cemetery. British have all gone. Kids are using it as a soccer field. And so we were able to get this huge piece of land, four blocks square on Park Street. Our hospital was the first building that we constructed at Park Street Property. And um, Mark was able to raise money just for the foundation and the first floor. But he always felt when he had the money to go ahead and God would supply the rest, which used to worry me a lot. In fact, I would tease him, say he has the faith and I have the else's because I did the (laughs) accounts. But... When we dug the foundation, we ran into a lake. Calcutta being so low, I think below sea level almost. And when we saw that water, the construction company said, You'll need pilings under this building. And it's going to be a six-storied building, so we had to have a lot of pilings. We didn't have the money for the pilings at all so Mark took a little Bible out of his pocket he always carried a little Bible in the back of his pocket when he just would witness to anybody who'd open the Bible and he asked them for a rope and he tied the rope around the Bible and the staff that we had at that time all held hands around the water what in the world is he going to do? And I think everybody else thought that also. And he let the rope down with the Bible into the water and said, now all of us pray together. And of course, he led in prayer that the water will recede into the ground so we can build our hospital because God wants us to treat the sick in this hospital because it'll be the greatest arm of evangelism that we have. And immediately, the water started to go down, 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 down. It took some time. I'll tell you, those builders, the contractors' eyes were like saucers watching that water go down. And today, our basement in our hospital is the driest basement of any of the buildings surrounding our hospital
2: after the hospital was finished, Dad had a tendency to um, pick up anybody he thought needed a hospital bed. It kind of drove some of the doctors crazy. But one time he picked up a person who he knew he was going to die, and he brought him into the hospital. And he, I remember he just said, I know he's going to die. And in fact, one of the doctors said, Pastor, why are you bringing us a dead man? And he said, "Well, if nothing else, I want him to know that somebody loves him, and he dies between clean sheets." And so he—they brought him in, they cleaned him up, they put him in bed, and uh, Dad was talking to him about Jesus and saying something, you know, to him that you know that Jesus loves him. And in this particular situation, you know, this gentleman was obviously passing away, and he would say to him, "You need to love Jesus. You know, Jesus loves you." And he looked up at him and he said, are you Jesus? He had never heard. He didn't even know. know, So he got an opportunity to share to him who Jesus was.
1: So they reflected Christ in everything that they did. It was not uh, just a show. It was very genuine. And uh, the compassion, the genuine love
2: that they had for people Was so outstanding uh, that I used to um, often tell them, you know, that I have not seen Jesus, but I have, I can tell you, I have definitely seen him in your lives.
3: When Pastor Buntain was snatched away fairly very suddenly and the mantle of leadership fell upon Sister Halda, it was a huge burden upon her, not just because she had to pick up uh, the unfinished projects uh, that Pastor had, Pastor Mark had uh, initiated, but in a culture where uh, women are not given prominence. And in fact, at the time when she assumed leadership, there were very few, if any, women in India who were in ministry. And there was not even one lady who was ordained uh, to, to, to pastor. So she was the first woman of any nationality to be ordained as a pastor in the nation of India. And so it was quite an uphill challenge for her. But with time, as people began to see the anointing of God upon her life and the effectiveness of the way God used her, people began to accept her leadership. And Halda Buntain has been the backbone of all of this work. Uh, Mark Buntain passed away in 1989 and the world around us thought that the work would collapse and would stop and took a woman of God, a lady, who took one day at a time and has perhaps achieved much more in the last 15-20 years than has been achieved in the previous uh, stint. And today we talk about 200 plus schools or 700 churches. I, I think this has been done because of relentless pursuit of Halda Mantain who's been able to really walk the road and keep still walking the road on behalf of the mission.
1: And so, you know, I look back 58 years, and I think there was a time when A group of ministers came through here from Manila. They had held a big crusade in Manila. They took us out for dinner, told us how foolish we were to remain in Calcutta. They said, you know, you were promising a young evangelist in your country, and you're here in this dirty, filthy city. I mean, you're just burying yourself in this city, and you'll never be heard of again. I can remember those words so distinctly. You'll never be heard of again. And going home, I said to Mark, do you think that they're right? And I remember him saying, who brought us here? And I said, well, God brought us here. And he said, well, we'll leave when God tells us to. all I can say is to God be the glory great things he has done not a tribute to us but I think it gives God's plan that we come at that time
0: Church, it's my privilege to personally introduce a missionary hero. Hold I don't know if you remember, but the Assemblies of God printed missionary trading cards <laughs> m- almost twenty years ago now. Yeah. I had the full collection. How you do? <laughs> and you were one of them. You and your husband Mark and and we're so thankful to be partners with you. Just a, a, a small part of what God is doing through you in Calcutta. I'm so thankful that you took time to share with us all the things that are going on there in that wonderful city. And so I I think you felt the warm welcome from our church who dearly loves (laughs) you, and so we look forward to hearing from you this morning.
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, it's great to be here, and you can be sure I have tons of memories uh, here because of our family living here for so long, and I bring greetings from them too. The last thing Bonnie said yesterday was, please tell them, Uh, give them my greetings. (coughs) She would have, (coughs) excuse me, she would have come with me, but on (coughs) Wednesday, excuse me, I'm traveling so much and the different temperatures (coughs) affect my throat. Uh, She told me, be sure to tell them, I would have loved to come with you, but on Wednesday, she's leaving for New York. Uh, She has a project too, and you're marching today uh, for trafficking. And that is her project in Calcutta. In June, the Hope House will be opened for prostitute children, children of prostitute mothers. And she is working on that project. So she's going to New York and she has a big service there. Now, I don't know how much you know about India. But India is now the largest democracy in the world and has over a billion people, and soon will be larger than China. Now, India uh, has improved tremendously in technology, but I don't have to tell you that, do I? Anything goes wrong with your computer, and you pick up the phones, many times you talk to India. But India is a complex country because of the caste system. Now, you ask, what is a caste? A child's destiny is determined before they're even born. I remember when we opened our first school, they said, you can't educate a low caste child. They don't have the mental ability to learn. But aren't you glad this morning that God is no respecter of persons? I walk into our hospital today. I pointed out to the pastor. The director of our nursing hospital that you saw on the screen this morning is a sponsored child. Children that nobody cared for. Doctors, nurses, teachers, pastors. And it's thrilling for me to see these generations pass. Now we're in the fourth generation, and we see what God has done in so many families. But what to tell you about Calcutta this morning. Nine miles long, four miles wide, with 22 million people. Visitors that come to see us say wall-to-wall people, and that is certainly true. But you know... We were not supposed to be missionaries. Can you believe that? Mark had just returned from the Orient. He had been there six months in evangelistic ministry. And 15 months later, we received an invitation to go to India. They wanted Mark to do the same thing, hold special meetings throughout India. In fact, crusades were already lined up for us. I'll never forget Day before we boarded the ship, you know, in those days, missionaries took ships. It took us uh, three ships and two months to get to Calcutta. Uh, missionary classes were at the bottom. So, <laughs> anyhow, we were in glad tidings in downtown New York. Mark was asked to preach that Sunday. And I'll never forget the pastor's wife was asked to close in prayer. She came forward and she asked me to come forward. Stand beside Mark. She put her hand on both our shoulders. She prayed a very strange prayer. She said, God, make this couple a blessing to India for years to come. Going home, I said to Mark, what does she mean, years to come? (laughs) We're only going for one year, aren't we? But you know, God had plans for our lives that we did not know. We started in the tent, as you saw on the screen this morning. Then the monsoon rains came. We couldn't stay in the tent any longer. Moved to an upstairs hall. They laughed at us. They said, there's a nightclub underneath. Hell downstairs and heaven upstairs. Then it was time to build a church. No church had been built in Calcutta in a 100 years.
3: And uh, there was no
1: property available. But I'll never forget. <laughs> and those of you that knew Mark in the early days here, When God told him something, nothing changed his mind. (laughs) And he came home and he said, I found the land. I said, where? On the main street of Calcutta. I said, impossible. We've searched the main streets. No, he said, it's an old cemetery. I said, a what? An old cemetery? Oh, yes, he said, four blocks square. British have all gone. Kids are using it as a soccer field. I said, Mark, the burial board will not give you a cemetery to build a church and a hospital. He said, no, they won't, but God will. And he did. Thank God today we have services in eight different languages. I was telling pastor last night, every state in India has a different language. They come to Calcutta to work. We took a survey of the eight different languages. And today in Calcutta, On a Sunday morning, in eight different languages, there are services going on. Calcutta is many hours ahead of us. In fact, it's nighttime in Calcutta. Services are already over. And do you know now, they said Calcutta is an impossible city, but almost 5,000 people worshiped and praised God in that main church in Calcutta this morning. And that's why I tell you, Impossible is one of God's favorite words. God works the impossible. But you know, as we started to work in Calcutta, James chapter 2 became alive to us. How can you tell anyone God loves them when they have nothing to eat, no clothes to wear, no comforts of this life? Can you tell anyone the family living on the streets of Calcutta's thousands do? God loves you. They'll tell you nobody loves us or we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here little girl fainted in one of our first classrooms. Mark rushed her to a city hospital. They didn't care. Low caste. He came home with tears in his eyes and said, I will not only educate these boys and girls, but I will feed them and medically treat them. Thank God for our schools.
3: You know, when he opened our
1: school, they called us the busty school. They called us the slum school. 230 children from poor homes. You can't educate those kids. But you know what? 2014, we had our 50th anniversary. And now it's a different story. We're in 11 states. As the states around us were not reached by the gospel, and I don't have time to tell you this morning, We reached out to one state after another. And today in 11 states, we have schools, we have churches. It said 700 churches. We have 950 950 churches because of our Bible schools, thank God, our schools. But that wonderful day of the celebration, 50 years, the largest auditorium in Calcutta, packed to capacity. The governor was our chief guest. And you know what he said? In his introductory remarks, he said, the Assembly of God Church Schools have changed the face of Calcutta. What does he mean? That we have taken poor, poor children from the slums of Calcutta and today those teachers and pastors and doctors, and we prove to them that God loves and is no respecter of persons. And then the feeding program, hunger. We first of all started to feed our school children. And then we saw the hunger of families, families and families. I have a lovely lady traveling with me, Nancy Gibson. She'll be at the book table. I have two books, Pathway to the Impossible and Moment of Courage. Those books sell for $12 and they feed a child for 12 days the proceeds from the books go to our feeding programs as much as I would want you to read one of those books because I don't have time to tell you 60 years of miracles this morning or we wouldn't have a second service but you know you read the book it'll inspire you to believe God is a God of the impossible because everything in Calcutta seemed impossible but God was the one that moved And we were successful in building these wonderful uh, schools, hospitals, and clinics. And then our hospital. I can't tell you what an arm of evangelism it is. Five chaplains going from bed to bed every day. Every single day. People, as you saw Bonnie said on the screen this morning, nobody cared for them. Put between clean sheets. Tell them that God loves them. And one of the newest projects we have are clinics in the rural areas around Calcutta. In areas and villages where we couldn't build churches or couldn't build schools, they welcomed the clinic. And when we get the favor of the villagers, you know what? The doctor's table becomes the pastor's pulpit, and we have church. I walked into the hospital one day. Cleft Palace, one out of every 700 children are born because of malnutrition was the most terrible-looking face you've ever seen. I saw a mother sitting with her child, crying. Pulled up a chair, sat beside her. And all she did was this. I looked down, I saw a child I'd never seen before teeth coming out of the cheeks. And I knew why the mother was crying. Because in their reincarnation, Hindu belief, they believe that the generation goes from Generation to generation to generation. And in the village, she couldn't even go to the well with the other ladies for water because her family is cursed. But hope. No hope in Eastern religions. But tomorrow, that little girl was wheeled into the operating room, came out looking beautiful, kept her a few more days for dental work. And then I said, Mother, She was from one of those clinics. Mother, take your little girl back and tell them what Jesus has done for her. And do you know the next Sunday that clinic was full? They wanted to know what happened to that little girl. She went looking so terrible, but now she's looking so beautiful. Blind children. I saw the blind children. No one wants a blind child. It's the worst curse you could have, to have a blind child. Saw them begging on the streets of Calcutta. I said, God, give me a blind home. We started with seven children. Today we have 168 children, beautiful children. I love to go there. Five of them were operating in our hospital. I said to the doctor, will they see Oh, she said, some of them better than others. When the bandages were taken off their eyes. They looked up at the light for the first time. They saw light. In Hindi, light is butty, 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 butti, butty. And they loved the song, Amazing Grace. I once was blind, but now I see. We sang it that day. It became a reality in their life. Mother Teresa, you saw on the screen this morning, was a wonderful little lady. Brought all her patients to our hospital. Before she took very ill, I was with her in the hospital. And she had brought a child in to be operated on. And she said these words to me I'll never forget. She said, it's not how much you do, but how much love you put in the doing that counts. I thought about it a few minutes, and I said, Mother, do you mean if we don't put Jesus' love in our doing, all our work is in vain? She said, that's what I mean. And then she took my hand in her 87-year-old hand, and she opened my fingers one by one. And she said, always remember, when you give to the poor, you do it unto Christ. Dear ones, when you sign that faith promise, when you give that offering, you may never see the one you or the family that you've helped, but remember you have done it unto Christ, and he will give you the reward. I told you we were in 11 states of India. Seven of those states are on East India. The Assemblies of God of East India, we had nothing. Mark went up there. He was invited for an interdenominational crusade, 15,000 people. God told him to speak one night on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He did. At the end of his message, he prayed nine interpreters that God would reveal the baptism of the Holy Spirit to these people. And all of a sudden, he began to speak. He didn't know. He was speaking in their language, and thousands received the Holy Spirit. It was the birth of our Assemblies of God in those seven states. I went up there for a pastor's conference. Wonderful pastors. We have over about 400 churches now in those seven states, Bible schools and schools. And our district, our general superintendent, our uh, graduate from our Bible school in Calcutta, He said, Auntie, I'm going to take you somewhere you've never been before. I said, where? He said, the largest cemetery is here in the eastern world, above the capital city of Kohima. I went with him. Thousands of graves. American, Canadian, British. But, you know, as I walked into that cemetery, there was a large arch. And on was written these words, go home and tell them, we gave our today for their tomorrow. I stood below that arch, and I thought, my God, we have given thousands and thousands of children, not only a today, but a tomorrow. And then I thought of a grave in Calcutta. Mark died so suddenly, overnight. The custom is you stand by the grave, shovel by shovel, until it is full. And I said, God, I can't understand this. Why? Why? Oh, 35 years have been here now. That should be enough. We only came for one year, that's all. (laughs) Have you ever argued with God? I did. But I'll always be thankful our worship team started to sing that beautiful song, Love So Amazing, So Divine, Demands My Life, My Soul, My Own. I said, God, if you help me, I will stay. These past 26 years, almost 27 now, I can't tell you the growth of our ministries in the 11th states. 950 churches, Bible schools, 32,000 children in school, winning those boys and girls, giving them a future in life. But we live in a changing world, me, myself, and I world. Investments are here today and gone tomorrow. But you know something? When you invest in the kingdom of God, it pays the best dividends. You know why? Money is the currency of men, but faith is the currency of God. When you give to God, God multiplies and blesses you and your family. Sometimes, you know, I'm often on television, they ask me, what is your greatest accomplishment in the years you've been in Calcutta? And I say, unhesitatingly, investment in lives. Investment in lives. I traveled so much I had something wrong with my ear. Got to the hospital, told the nurse I need to see an ENT specialist. I went to see him the next day with the nurse. Knocked on the door, Dr. Bhattacharya, I want you to meet the president of our mission. I'll never forget that day. He got up from his chair, and I noticed he had tears in his eyes. He said, Auntie, I don't have to meet you. I met you when I was seven years of age. My father brought my brother and I to you for education. We were so poor, the poor called us poor. No shoes on our feet. And I looked at him. I said, Tell me. He said, Don't you remember, Auntie? I was a president. The captain of the school. Oh, then I remember. I said, are you Shubosh? He said, yes, ma'am. I said, tell me, Shubosh. He said, when I left the school, I got a scholarship to medical school. I prayed God help me to go back and treat the poor in the hospital. I said, Shubosh, there are children lined up for you to treat today. Do you ever think of yourself? When you treat those children huh? every day, Auntie, every day. Sat on the platform in Calcutta just a few weeks ago. Oh, our senior pastor was late on Saturday night. He had been at a conference. Our senior associate pastor was asked to preach that morning. I did not see the senior associate pastor. I saw a 12-year-old boy brought to me from one of the villages around Calcutta with his little brother and his two sisters. Mother and father both died of tuberculosis. Both. Didn't have money to bury their parents. That little boy looked up in my face and he said, we've got nobody in our orphans. Put my arm around those poor children. No. You've got me. You've got us. Put them in the boys' home, girls' in the girls' home. Today, I see a senior associate pastor preach the most marvelous sermon. That's what it's all about. At the back table, I have sponsorships. You know, What do you do with a dollar a day or a little over a dollar a day? You can sponsor a child in one of our schools. And you'll never know that they may be a doctor, may be a nurse, may be a pastor. In one of our schools, dear ones, children, children, children. We've educated thousands, but there are thousands of more children to be educated. I wondered what the scripture meant. The last should be first and the first should be last. When I read the revised version, those that are inconspicuous here shall be heroes there. Oh, thank God. There are our sponsors. They're our partners. You are our partners. Proverbs 3.27. Withhold not good from them who deserve it when it is in the power of your hand to do it. Everything on that screen would not have been possible if it hadn't been churches like yours and across this great country that have given and given and given sacrificially. Walked into Hallmark's store one day to buy a birthday card. Looked up on the wall. Oh, Mr. Hallmark, or wherever you are, you, you sell cards with... That slogan, I'm going to steal it for missions. If you love enough, you give your best. How much do you love Jesus this morning? Sponsor a child. Buy a book. Defeat a child 12 days. Doing does not count unless love motivates it. And loving does not count unless doing demonstrates it. You can't love Jesus without knowing. God blesses missionary-giving churches. God prospers. I travel so much, and I see it's missionary-giving churches that are prospering and are growing because God blesses your missionary offerings. Thank you, and God bless you.
0: Hold on one, one second, I want you to join me up here. What, what you say is true, you know, as we had conversation last night, um, I didn't mention this, but it was just a couple of years ago when, when I became lead pastor that our finances were in dire straits and we were challenged, we as a congregation decided to give our way out of debt, which doesn't make s- a whole lot of sense, but we said we're going to increase our missions giving and we did. And we begin to see God work in ways that we could not have. And today, we see God's faithfulness in our finances as people are coming to Christ. And we're so thankful for your partnership in ministry, aren't we, church? Uh, Well, I'd love to pray a prayer of blessing over you and your ministry, if you'd let us. Church, would you extend your hand? In fact, would you stand with me today as we pray for Holda and... Probably the hundreds if not thousands of workers that you have between your schools and your hospitals and the pastors all over the wonderful nation of India. Father, we thank you for our missionary partners who spend their lives on behalf of advancing the gospel in cultures all around this world. We thank you for Sister Buntain. We ask for your continued blessing upon her life, not only for her good, but ultimately for your glory and for the advancement of the gospel that hundreds and hundreds of thousands of children will come to know (coughs) you because of her work and find us faithful in doing our part. Lord, we feel that challenge this morning. May we respond not just with a nod of the head or an amen from our mouth, but with action with our hands as well. Lord, bless her in her going and her coming. In every ministry that she has started, may it continue with eternal results. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you, thank you. Amen. I'm going to walk you to the edge okay, of the stage here and, and hand you off. I just wanted to talk to the church one more thing before you all leave. You can stay standing. I swear it's only a couple seconds longer. Thank you, Brian. Church, Holden mentioned it earlier. When you give your faith promises on a Sunday morning, we talk about our Uh, the Lord's tithes and the missionary offerings or faith promises it goes to support ministries like Holda all around this world and so if you haven't taken that step of faith to make a faith promise you can do so online you can find our missions page and make that faith promise you can do it monthly or if you want to set a goal and and reach it by the end of the year that's that's fine I encourage you on your way out be generous in your giving even if you don't read a book buy a book buy seven books read them all Um, and I encourage you To adopt a a child as well. Could you find that money? Uh, I was just thinking, what have I wasted my money on this week that that I could have spent towards adopting one of those children? I just want to lay that challenge before you once again. You're such a generous church, and Darcy and I are so privileged to be part of that. We look forward to seeing you this afternoon at the Freedom Walk. God bless you. Hey, we're so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information, please email us at nextsteps at c2church.com or visit us at c2church.com.